Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon A Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Teams Podcast channel. I am the consummate professional, first-ranking officer of the Terry McLaurin Stand Club, Diamond Mounter at the Jerry Judy Jewelry Company, and BFS with the Oracle, your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by some of the guys. We have the Duck Father, DK Metcalf's number one admirer, founder and lone proprietor of the Gus the Bus Four Seasons Busing Service, and caster of the Double Reverse Hutzpah, resident old man Clark Barnes, and a loather of Adam Gase, doubter of John Gruden's Jacob Handel Shtick, lifeguard in training at your neighborhood Chase Claypool, and thinks your favorite team is run by Donkey's Ginger Bearded Man, Nick Bonifer. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Very good, Pete. How are you? <laughs> Took you a little bit of time to figure out how to unmute yourself, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I am doing well. I am currently freezing my ass off, uh, but the room that I record in has a little uh, electric furnace heater, fire furnace thing. So I turned that on, and so it's going to take a little bit of time for this room to heat up, but uh eventually basically by the time we finish this podcast i'll be nice and toasty but until then i'm freezing my buns off in like 10 degree weather so pete Excited how are you handle or well, excuse me pete i'll have a good question for you but i meant to say clark clark <laughs> okay. how are you handling uh I, this is like i think the second week now that we've spoken that you're in the pacific northwest winter i don't care for it yeah <laughs> not a fan it's cold and rainy all the, the time the rain is what the constant wetness in the air. You got to start using lotion on your hands. Mm. You got to start. A little health tip from Nick Bodiford. Mm-hmm. Internet doctor extraordinaire tells you to <laughs> moisturize. I'm waiting for my question now, Nick. This is rude that, uh, you, that you didn't have anything for me. The What's the first feel, game we're talking about? Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> Nick Bodiford, always focused on the prize. Never can get anything under him. That's right. Let's talk week 11 starts and sits. And we're going to start with Thursday night football, man, this well done NFL, because this is a game that I am here for willing to watch Arizona Cardinals heading to Seattle to take on the Seahawks. And Nick, I'm going to give you a standing ovation because last week it was you who said Josh Reynolds Rams deep threat going up against the Seahawks that have allowed the second most deep plays. And we saw Josh Reynolds be that leading receiver from a fantasy standpoint for the Rams last week. And this week with the Cardinals in action, this to me feels like a fire, the Christian Kirk game. So for the Reynolds call, I have to give credit to the, uh, the esteemed Sam Hoppen. He's a fantastic Twitter follow and his, his charts are rapidly spreading. His usage charts are extremely helpful. Um, as far as this week goes, so Kirk's, I'm, I've been breaking this game down, and Kirk's A dot has just cratered. It, uh, it, it was up in the the like mid to low teens early in the season, average de- average depth of target that is, 
it, it's a lot lower now. It's down to like the eight range. And that's because Andy Isabella is starting to get some more snaps. And also uh, DeAndre Hopkins, if you compare the first three weeks of the season to these last three weeks of the season, his average depth target went from like 6.6 to 11.1. Kirk's just kind of being used as the short to intermediate guy at this point, which I think he can still get the job done because Seattle, Seattle's allowed it like, it's something like 3,100 passing yards on the season. It's way above <laughs> the next closest. 2,428 to wide receivers. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And the Falcons, so the Falcons are number two with 1936. So, right. Yes. Okay. There is, there's almost a thousand yards extra that the uh, Seahawks have given up. No, that's, yeah. That's In- but, as a, yeah, so that's that's relevant for the receivers. The other positions we'll we'll get to in a second here, but yeah, thirty one hundred eighty total yards. Falcons are next uh, at twenty seven hundred ninety three. So and anyway, the point is, Seattle defense, their passing game is very very bad. Uh, so I like Kirk as a, a high floor flex guy. I think because he, he his target share is still uh, really good, even though it's not downfield. But you know you're starting those guys, and and Isabella is a, a, a candidate for a boom bust flex start. The guys that I want to get to are the uh, the Seattle receivers and the Cards backfield. So last week, what we saw with the Cards backfield was um, a, a significant increase on the the carry total for Chase Edmonds. Prior to the the week eight bye, Edmonds was getting like 19% of the team carries. He hopped up to 50% last week and still, of course, got more passing game work than Drake did. Last time they played, he outproduced Drake uh, to a significant extent because it was a shootout. And, you know, he's the guy who Drake can catch passes, but they don't do that. They throw it to Edmonds. So I've got Edmonds this week um, as a low end running back too, and Drake as a flex play. I think Drake can still get like 15 carries and, and, you know, might be able to, to plunge into the end zone. Cause a lot of points are going to be scored here, but I think a, a, a little, um, X factor is Drake, you know, he, he, he was out for two weeks with that ankle injury and now it's a quick turnaround. They played Sunday and now they got to turn around and play Thursday. That's not very much time for him to rehab. So I really like Edmonds and I know I've talked up Edmonds a lot. Um, but I like him. The, I think the interesting thing for us to really kind of get into a debate about, though, is the Seattle receiver core. So DK Metcalf, he's going to do battle with Patrick Peterson, and he's had a really tough time with Peterson in the past, uh, more so than other big X receivers. It's kind of surprising. Um, Lockett is battling a knee injury right now, and he's genuinely he's questionable to play. Now, Pete Carroll has said, yeah, he's absolutely going to play, but he registered uh, DNPs, their uh, like projected uh, practice report on Monday. You know, they didn't actually practice, but he was a DNP. Uh, then yesterday did not practice again. And I'm, I'm seeing if there's an update as of now. Okay, so nothing, nothing as of yet on uh, Wednesday night. But anyway, uh, I think Lockett's genuinely questionable to play. If he plays, he's going to be locked up. He'll be he'll be in the slot, and that'll be great. But I think what becomes really interesting is with with Metcalf and his struggles against Patrick Peterson is David Moore on the outside. I think David Moore could be a huge start this week. And if I, it's it's interesting because I uh, I think I like David Moore almost. Uh, more if Lockett plays because he's been on the outside he's he's played in the slot seven percent less than Freddie Swaim has who sees overall way fewer snaps but when he goes out there he's getting in the slot at like 32 percent and Moore's are in the, the mid 26s or mid 20s I mean um, so anyway point is I think that this third receiver for the Seahawks is going to be a huge point score or, or a big uh, guy that we got to figure out and I like David Moore I'm just concerned if, if Lockett doesn't play are we erring on the side of Swaim, who's seen more slot snaps, 
uh, or are we going with David Moore? And if you guys haven't gone this far into it, I don't blame you, but this is the, the conundrum <laughs> that I've been trying to solve today. The DK Metcalf take is, is one that I didn't even think about until you, obviously you just brought it up. The three games, three games he's played against the Cardinals, which is the only three game, you know, th- last three games. Cause last year was his rookie year. Average 3.3 targets, one reception, 9.7 yards. Like that's, not great. <laughs> and earlier this season, he saw five targets, two catches for 23 yards. Uh, it's the only one of only two, three, three games that he hasn't scored a touchdown. The other one was Miami in week four, but he still had 106 yards there. And then last week against Jalen Ramsey, he only had 28 uh, yards on two catches last week against Jalen. So yeah, if DK Metcalf is, is slow or, you know, is cooled down, then it's going to be someone else in that passing game. And we've seen games where David Moore kind of comes out of nowhere to catch you know, 50 yards and two TDs. And this seems like a recipe for that since the Cardinals defense has been allowing what the fifth or sixth most points, the fantasy wide receivers this year. Yeah. I, I, well, you look that up. I don't have that in front of me, but uh, Ian Harditz did tweet this out seven, seven hours ago. I'm not going to go through the whole list, but he, he detailed basically number one receivers against Patrick Peterson. And a lot of them have had pretty decent success. McLaurin and Michael Thomas are two examples. I'll give both cleared a hundred yards and, and scored a touchdown. Mac, he, Peterson appears to have Metcalf's number. Now I'm starting Metcalf if I have him, but I think it's we should lower expectations. Yeah, that's a great breakdown. I don't know how you get away from Metcalf. Uh, Peterson and Jalen Ramsey hold all of the time, so that can explain why some wide receivers who are very good don't have uh, big games against them. Unfortunately, you don't get any points for pass interference, but uh, I think, Nick, bottom line, uh, your analysis is fantastic. I don't know how you get away from DK Metcalf. If I had to bet, does he get you more than six standard points? I would say yes. But if you have a slew of good wide receivers and Metcalf and like Keenan Allen are your third wide receiver, I think this might be a good way to get away from Metcalf this week. Yeah. If you're just like, if you went, if you drafted wide receivers all early and then did the late running back while everyone else was pushing early running back this year in your fantasy drafts and you just have like, three to four wide receiver ones on your roster then then i would definitely say metcalf might be the the lowest on the totem pole quickly before we move on from this game we didn't have a podcast on tuesday so we didn't get clark's live reaction of uh what i feel like is a very symbolic moment of deandre hopkins mossing a team called the bills which seems very appropriate as it was bill o'brien who then shipped who did ship Hopkins out of Houston so I just feel like it was some karmatic revenge for DeAndre Hopkins to absolutely roof a team of bills uh in order to win Arizona Cardinals uh the game so I just wanted to get your reaction Clark just wanted to hear your thoughts I have been watching DeAndre Hopkins pretty closely for his entire career so whenever he does something ungodly I just am zero surprised he's just very good (laughs) I like the stretch though the bills bill that's nice you know, that's some, that's that's why I ha- I'm sitting in the host chair. It's, you know, that's what I'm here for. All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. We have the Cincinnati Bengals heading to Washington to take on the Washington football team. And Clark, back-to-back weeks, Alex Smith has thrown for 300-plus yards, and that is a good thing. Yeah, the Washington football team is still terrible, but now they have a middle-of-the-road quarterback in Alex Smith. So don't get so excited. This isn't going to be a breakout for Washington, but Alex Smith is competent a la Kirk Cousins. So the offense should work. Washington has a lot of weapons. And so this is just a boost for all of them. If you're in your super flex league and you're desperate for quarterback, I think Alex Smith can take you the rest of the way as a decent, like 
QB 20 to 25 ish option. Uh, but watching them play, they're still not very good, but Alex Smith is fine. And so that just makes you feel good. Uh, especially about the running backs. The frustrating thing about the running backs is all three of them, uh, Peyton Barber, uh, what's his name and Antonio Gibson all getting <laughs> great run. And so very, very frustrating. Um, not McNichols. Jay McKissick. JD McKissick. McKissick. Yeah. JD McKissick, McKissick looks like excellent. 15 targets in the last yeah. two games with Smith under center. He looks really good and should be getting his role. Gibson is still kind of feeling his way out as a running back, but is like hyper athletic and is getting more options to, to run. Uh, the place kicker in a situation like this is always something that I like to go for, but Dustin Hopkins kind of sucks because they're a team that can move the football, but not score touchdowns. Mm. I, so Ooh. I just, I don't know. It's a I like that. That's a, that's a nice way to look at the kicker position. I've always looked at it like a uh, team that scores the most points. You get the most field, you know, most point after attempts, but the, I like the, I like the offense that gets you down the field, but can't actually punch it in. Uh, so I, the only thing that I was going to mention is just that it, it appears as though we do just have uh, a, a split backfield and that it's not going away. Um, and I was just trying to rapidly look up the uh, A dot of this team because I don't think that McKissick is being used purely uh, as He's getting some uh, down the okay, field targets. A, yeah, he he is getting some, but not many. It, it 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 mostly is around the line of scrimmage. Anyway, like you said, Pete, fifteen uh, this week. I think he had fourteen last week. That kind of usage is just way too high. Uh, to to ignore, he's uh, running back two, and Antonio Gibson is a running back one. I guess give them credit for using all of their weapons. It is bizarre that they have a 230 pound X receiver who they're making their rush only back. I don't get that, but <laughs> they are. So, okay. You love to see it. Uh, also, I am confidently firing up T Higgins this week, even though it's going, he's going up against Washington secondary, which is giving up the second fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. I will not bench that man because he has been nothing but phenomenal since I picked him up off waivers. So I wanted to hit on the, the Bengals offense just, just for a second. Um, and of course now I'm, I'm totally just losing this. Okay. So here's the thing. So the Bengals offensive line obviously is terrible and pressure has been kind of the thing that's derailed the, uh, the high pass attempts, uh, I'm trying to make a joke here. The point is, it's really tough for Burrow <laughs> to succeed when he's getting harassed. Uh, they are round number 10 or 11 in pressure rate overall, 24.1% of snaps, the Washington football team that is. But they are third in the league in missed tackles with 82. And I'm wondering, is this a matchup, you guys, that Joe Burrow can kind of just get the job done, perhaps because of shoddy tackling uh, from the Washington team? Or, or is that, you know, it's a bit of a... Uh, uh, a stat that can lie. You know, I, I don't know if this is just bad linebacker play more than anything else, but um, Burrow's going to be under duress. He'll throw 50 times. Do we think he can get it done for fantasy purposes? I think so. I think anyone who's anyone with his talent and especially like movability uh, throwing 50 times, I, I would trust him as like a QB high end QB two, which I guess doesn't make sense, but yeah. So Mixon's coming into the week injured, of course, because his name is Joe Mixon. And Burrow throwing it 50 times is something that we've seen the Bengals do against, you know, decent opponents or opponents who are going to get off to a big lead. And I don't see Washington being good enough to do that. 
so this may be a pretty uneventful slog. The Bengals are not good, and that's starting to catch up with them. Joe Burrow throwing the ball 75 times a game was cute at the beginning of the year, but NFL teams are starting to figure out uh, how to beat that. On top of the Bengals is having an atrocious offensive line and still starting A.J. Green for whatever the fucking reason. I don't understand. That makes no so, goddamn sense. So I don't know. I, I would not bet on Joe Burrow this week. I know that Washington's bad, but I think they're so bad that they're not going to have to throw it to stay in the game. Um, so that's just a quick take. I like that. All right, let's move on. The Atlanta Falcons heading to Nolens to take on the Saints. Uh, and the biggest play for me this week is I would fade slash maybe even bench Todd Gurley. Uh, he's been extremely touchdown dependent, which has worked for him so far since there's only been two games in which he hasn't scored a touchdown this year. But he has yet to go over. He only once has gone over 100 yards. Actually, only twice has gone over 80 yards rushing. Most of the time, he's averaging between 40 and 50 yards rushing. And the Saints defense has allowed the fewest uh, total rushing touchdowns. They've only allowed three this season. And so I don't think that Gurley is going to get into the end zone. I think you're going to see Gurley probably get his usual, like, 18 touches for 50 yards, but no touchdown. And that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a tight uh, RB one or even an RB two worthy stat line. So I would, I would be looking to bench or at least get out from under him uh, this week against the saints. Yeah. It's a division rivalry game and a division rivalry game amongst division rivalry games. The Falcons and the saints are always interesting when they play one another. And you always just kind of have to throw out what's happened this year. They're usually high scoring affairs. I think the interesting thing in this one is, uh, what is going to happen with Drew Brees? And are we going to see Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill or some awful amalgamation of the two? I think it's probably going to be the latter. Um, it's definitely going to be that. And it's going to be horrible to watch. None of none of that makes me want to lean away from anyone in this game. I'm still going to be firing up Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray. Uh, I think uh, you still got to go with those guys. I think if you are super desperate, Taysom Hill might be an interesting play. But just keep an eye on who's going to start. And then for the Falcons, everybody that's healthy that's playing, you got to start them. These teams usually score a lot against one another. So I want to get in on this game. Yeah, I think the only thing I'll add is that in some formats, Taysom Hill is tight end eligible. George is not uh, happy about that. So maybe don't start Taysom Hill at tight end. But He yeah. hates clever rules play. The, he hates the fact that anytime the Saints offense is moving, Sean Payton just decides that this is the moment where he's going to whip his dick out and be like, Taysom Hill is about to like fucking get on the field and do some shit, which ultimately kills the drive. Without fail, anytime this offense is like moving down the field, Sean Payton is like, this is the perfect time to do a Taysom Hill play that goes for three yards and doesn't ultimately achieve what it's supposed to achieve. God, his, his obsession with Taysom Hill drives me up the wall. I can't, I can't even do it with it. Can't you guys? So I actually, okay, I'll contradict myself here. I think it's possible that he actually does get benched. Uh, Hill, that is, because he now is the emergency quarterback. And it's cool when he's the number three guy and they have Winston that can go out there if Breeze gets hurt. But they would be up a creek if Winston got hurt. They would, even though they paid Taysom Hill a buttload of money and he's the next coming of whatever, Steve Young. Um, also, fun fact. 31 years old. He's, it's absolutely <laughs> Sean Payton, get Move a hold on. of yourself. Sorry. Get a hold of yourself, Sean Payton. Uh, Calvin Ridley has scored a touchdown in every single game he's played against the Saints. Just throwing it out there. He's averaging nine targets, 6.5 receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown against the Saints in the four games he's played against the Saints. Might want to fire him up. 
All right, let's move on. Pittsburgh Steelers heading to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. And my question for you guys at large is how many touchdowns will Chase Claypool score? Because the Jaguars not only get beat through the air with if you're a wide receiver, but also on the ground if you're a wide receiver. They've given up the fourth most rushing yards to wide receivers, uh, 103 yards on only seven attempts, which uh, for those at home, it's 14 yards per carry. So I would expect Chase Claypool to uh, – have a huge role in uh, the Steelers offense this week, given the fact that he is that do-it-all guy for uh, the Pittsburgh passing game. Yep. I think the biggest thing working against him here is game script. They could just get up uh, early on the legs of James Conner or whatever. Uh, the one thing that I'll, I'll point out about the other side of the game is that Chris Thompson is injured, which means that James Robinson is getting more work in the passing game than he already was. And that is good. <laughs> Yeah, just confusing here what to do with DJ Chark. I'm breaking ties against him and what is happening with Pittsburgh's backfield. James Conner been disappointing for a month, but I think is clearly the best running back there. Don't know what to do. Don't know how you can get away from him. I'm starting as my third running back in a couple of leagues and just going to keep doing it. Um, but the Steelers love to play down to their competition to parrot something that I have been on for the past several weeks. So this one might be tighter than people expect, even though it absolutely should not be. That makes me zero concern about James Robinson, who, like uh, Nick mentioned, is just a do-it-all back for this terrible Jaguars team. Um, Clark, does it work for you to put James Conner on the Dunzo list this week and say that if you can't get it going against the Jaguars' terrible rush game, that uh, maybe maybe a Dunzo? No. I mean, oh. he's the he's the best running back, and I just he's the best running back on that team. I just, I, which isn't saying a ton, uh, but I don't know how you get away from him. Also, the Jaguars are giving up the third most points to tight ends. Eric Ebron has become more and more a part of this passing game. So if you have him, uh, continue to rely upon him. Moving on, we have the New England Patriots heading to Houston to take on the Texans. Clark, are you ready for this? This is. Is this a first in which it has been a battle of the uh, podcasters? Have we ever had a battle? We must have. The Texans have played the Packers. That's right. <laughs> Here we have. Uh, not looking forward to this one. It looks like the Patriots got their poop in a group against the Ravens. Last week ran the ball a lot and didn't ask Cam to do a lot with passing. Jacoby Myers was still the apple of Cam's eye. Uh, the Texans had a tough one against the Browns last week where it was 10 to 7, and that score seems uh to it seems deceiving that there was more offense than there actually was so i think that that's just a burn the tape game for the texans i don't know how the patriots slow down the texans offense and i don't know how the texans slow down anyone rushing the football for the patriots so i think this is a sneaky rex burkhead game to get him in there i think henderson is obviously a fantastic play and even cam and jacoby myers i just i don't see how either one of these teams stops what the other one wants to do to them this week yeah Jacoby Myers, uh, I haven't done my wide receiver rankings yet, but I am extremely tempted to put him as a wide receiver one this week. I think I'll ultimately probably have him as a high-end wide receiver too, but the fact that he is seeing 40-plus percent of the Patriots' target share over the last two weeks, and they're going up against the Houston Texans secondary, which has been giving up uh, bushels of yards and points to wide receivers, I, I think that Jacoby Myers is in for another monster uh, monster performance, especially for those in those PPR PPR leagues. He might even score a touchdown. All right. And before we move on, Clark, you mentioned the Patriots backfield. And in fact, we have some more insight on that as 
time for the Oracle's Start of the Week. today is Damian Harris. He is young and exciting and is only going up. So peeling, peeling back the onion curtain. <laughs> Normally for these starts of the weeks, I text my mother two to three different players with like a whole bunch of factoids for her to just parse through and pick out. This week I was way too busy. And so I just texted her. I said, who do you who would you pick, James Conner or Damian Harris? Now, normally I do the research for my mother. Give her props. She responded with, I admire the other guy's fight against cancer at age 20, exclamation mark, but the young guy gets my vote today. So well done, Kathy Rogers, for uh, doing some research here. This is this is how you know the Oracle is tuned in and ready for a win. So Damian Harris will be a uh, RB1 this week, according to the Oracle. Let's move on. Philadelphia Eagles head to Cleveland to take on the Browns. This is the first place Philadelphia Eagles, which blows my goddamn mind because this team looks like hot trash. Uh, Clark, can we say that this is a Carson Wentz Dunzo game in that if he doesn't do anything against this Brown secondary that, I mean, if you've held on to him this long, you must be a Phillies fan in, in fantasy because he hasn't done squat diddly, but this is, this is the final straw if you got him on your roster. Yeah, that's only if the final straw didn't come several weeks ago for you. Miles Sanders is really the only start here. I have been pulling for Travis Fulham, uh, and I just am going to continue to do that because he's talented. But Carson Wentz, I don't know what happened. Carson Wentz and Lamar Jackson went to camp to forget how to throw the football this summer, and it's just been really confusing for me this year. Yeah, I, I was listening to the uh, the Inside the Birds podcast uh, with Adam Kaplan and Jeff Mosher today, and I guess Doug Peterson's getting chippy in uh, press conferences, like giving sarcastic Shocking. answers and stuff. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, all is not well in in Philadelphia. Let me take this as a moment to uh, gloat as a Patriots fan. Guess what, teams? Pretty hard to uh, win a Super Bowl and kind of keep a dynasty going. A lot of shit gets in the way. Even just making a Super Bowl multiple times is really hard. So, you know, winning six in the span of, you know, whatever it is, 18 years. Boston guy flexing on Philly guy is one of my favorite things to see. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I keep hoping for a Jalen Rager breakout game. And this might be it. I have no idea. I'm just going to keep putting it out there because the guy, they are targeting him ever since he's gone back. He's led the uh, Eagles in targets, I think, the last two weeks. So he is. Tr- they are trying to get him the ball. They are trying to get him to do something. They're trying to prove that uh, Jalen Rager was the right pick, the pick right before the Vikings took Justin Jefferson, which hasn't proven to be the right pick so far. So this could be a Jalen Rager breakout game, but i uh not feeling confident about it. Going to cut in quickly for a ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's continue to Detroit, who are heading to Carolina to take on the Panthers and Nick, what are you feeling? What's a play for this game? Give me anything. Well, I think Clark might have something to say about this, but the thing that stands out here is Detroit's run defense is bad, and it like noticeably bad. They're they're absolutely one of the worst in the league. And Mike Davis has kind of betrayed fantasy managers over the last few starts that he's had. I think this one he thunderously makes up for those mistakes. Yeah, so the only question here is, do we get to see Teddy Bridgewater or is he going to be held out and we'll see? I'm sorry, two guys whose names are familiar to me. but Fingers crossed, someone who can throw the football? Uh, I think that there was some hotshot XFL guy who likes to run around and some other young so PJ Walker was an yeah. XFL guy. He there played with he played with Matt Rule at Temple, and I think mm. Robbie Anderson too. So there okay, is there some go. like yeah, coach. Uh, so Robbie Anderson's about to see connection. twenty targets, might, yeah, <laughs> yeah. catches <laughs> for fifty yards. I'm here and, for. I mean, you could wonder it, what I thought of. Honestly, this made me think of. Uh, when Pete, you got on me like a year ago for recommending uh, fantasy managers start or stream, uh, I think it's Tyler Heineke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nick never and, forgets. <laughs> and well, because, yeah, because he, he played two and a half quarters and had <laughs> uh, 13 fantasy points. And I was like, that's pretty good production for two and a half quarters. <laughs> He got hurt. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I'm wondering is if Detroit's just terrible front seven is welcoming enough for PJ Walker to run in for a touchdown. And like suddenly, who's that no name backup from Carolina? Oh, it's <laughs> That is incredible. That would be, uh, that would make a lot of sense. That would be the, the feather in Matt Patricia's like defensive head coaching cap is to uh, get absolutely torched by PJ Walker. Yeah, I know Mike Davis has been disappointing, uh, and I've suffered through that with you. So, uh, I don't know, light a candle together. I don't know what people do in mourning. Uh, but uh, Matthew Stafford also has a torn ligament in his thumb, his throwing hand thumb. So, I am just kind of breaking ties against everyone not named DeAndre Swift and Mike Davis in this game. Yes, I've, I second that. Fire up your ground games and maybe ignore the rest. Uh, let's move on to the Tennessee Titans heading to Baltimore to take on a presumably pissed off Ravens team, which maybe isn't a great thing for the uh, for the Titans, but we'll see. This actually could be a good game. Uh, guys, I need you. This is a Marquise Brown intervention for me. I, <laughs> I have Debo Samuel coming off of my IR, and I need to create a roster spot for him. And I am just staring at – I have stared at Marquise Brown and the drop button for literal hours on my phone 
And I just can't do it. I can't do it because this is what the Ravens rest of their schedule is. It is all greens. It's all greens. They play the Titans, the Steelers, the Cowboys, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. All of those teams should be, you should have huge games as a wide receiver against all of them. But Marquise Brown has a dude, then shit. I don't want to drop him because I know if I drop him, he's going to have a big game against the Titans. Everyone in my league is going to add him off waivers. And then I'm going to be stuck without him. I would rather lament Marquise Brown having several big games on my bench than lament Debo Samuel having a game or two that is big on my bench. I don't know what that means. Sorry, either one of those guys. Which, wait, which person do you want? Marquise Brown, but okay. I'm not going to start either of those people. So like, it's going to have to be desperate. Yeah. I understand uh, how difficult it is to give up Marquise Brown. Uh, listeners who are not into the uncouth, you can mute the podcast for a second. Today, I let go of Marquise Brown in my high stakes league. Uh, it was done so at 3.30 a.m. while I was taking a leak. And I dropped him for David Moore. And that, nice though, that was the circumstance that I felt comfortable <laughs> parting ways with him. <laughs> but That's an that. emotional reaction. That's Anytime right. you make a fantasy football move <laughs> while you're actually urinating, that is questionable. In the middle of the night. Or it's when you have clarity. Tune in next week to see which one it was. <laughs> But so so for real though with with Brown like the the problem here is so he gets Tennessee that's great he gets Pittsburgh which I know is like been decent for fantasy purposes but it's still Pittsburgh after that Dallas Cleveland Jacksonville uh, New York Giants a lot of those teams may not be trying to push the pace and I know they have really soft defenses but these could just become Ravens like run game obsessed. Mm matchup so anyway i don't know i i'd roll with debo because they're gonna force him the ball like remember when he had six passes and they were all behind the line of scrimmage oh they will... it's not that i need to start one of these guys it's that i need to take debo off my ir so i need to free up a roster spot and so it's whether or not yeah. i drop marquis brown to free up a roster spot for debo okay i'm just saying i, I would keep yeah debo over brown yeah yeah that's my vibe too whoo um Okay, is there anyone else in this game that we should talk about? How are we feeling about AJ Brown? Because this is a uh, uh, once formidable, Ra- you know, Ravens secondary, and AJ Brown has been still heavily targeted, but hasn't quite put up the. Well, I guess he only had one down week last week. But if, how are we feeling? If he hadn't dropped the seventy yarder, we wouldn't be having the conversation. AJ Brown is awesome, and every what Mike's every wide receiver gives you crappy weeks. That's true. AJ Brown's good. Well done, everyone. All right. Whew. That was, that took a lot out of me. Took a lot out of me. <laughs> Nick's pissing story was. <laughs> All right. We're going to, I'm just going to laugh for like five, five minutes. We don't move on. Uh, New York Jets heading to Los Angeles to take on the Chatches. And guys, I hate to break it to you, but Justin Herbert got a haircut and I am not feeling it. He has gone from a QB one, in my opinion, to a middling QB three as he got a buzz cut and shaved off his golden locks and looks like a five-year-old. Not here for it. I am not here for it. But what I am here for is Kalen Blage just continuing to occupy this Chargers backfield and continue to just, like, put points and touches on the board. The Jets, we know, the Jets' defense is just 
absolute hot garbage, and there's no reason not to fire up everyone against them. But Kalen Balaj, I would trust with 100% confidence. He has had the monopoly on this backfield with Justin Jackson out. Uh, and Austin Eckler is still looking to come back. I think he's going to still be back in hopefully week 12. I, as an Austin Eckler owner, hope he'll be back in week 12. But Balaj is certainly worth firing up this week. I did get a kick out of Eckler posting his his uh, straight line sprint video love it turn that's uh, what i want to see baby yeah i'll so i want to let clark get in here the only thing i'm going to say on the the charger side of the ball is yeah anthony lynn his quote this week was i'm going to give him more looks with kb right now i would say he's the primary guy he's a balage is a, a high-end running back too sorry clark take it away I was just going to make a nonsense score remark as someone who's losing their hair is that when you have hair like that, you don't spit in the God's faces and shave it all off. That's just Thank foreboding. You. Just tempting. Did face. you say faces? Yeah. The God's That's faces. Good. Some of the gods have several faces. I, okay. I never That's mind. True. I thought it was a mini face. God. Thing. All right. Could be. Well, there could be. There's all kinds. There are many gods. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Balazs also is uh, for real breaking the Adam Gase curse looks pretty good running behind the Chargers line it's just dicey to see how long he will go for them if I'm the Chargers Austin Eckler take your time I'm interested in you uh, playing for me next year I'm happy to let the uh, basically free free agent get pounded as we lose our way to a top 10 pick and get a wide receiver or something else, I guess, offensive line for Herbert. They just, I just, I, I looked up his shaved head picks, and I don't want to be rude. So I'll stop right there. My buddy sent good. me a, a screenshot of the bully from Toy Story. So go uh, look that Sid. Up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, um, it's just, it's not a good look. It's not a good look, Justin Herbert. Like your locks were great. They were, they were, I'm wondering if he did it because he doesn't want to have a lock battle with, uh, with what's his name next year. Hey, who's everyone going for? God damn it's it, Trevor Lawrence. Confirmed. Sid the bully from Toy Story and <laughs> Justin Herbert. Same That's person. Same All right, person. so so rolling this this uh, steam engine along here. What I I'm really interested in is the other side of the ball. Joe Flacco Nick had like loves the Jets. Yeah, this is the first week where I don't get to in the rundown just say only start Jamison Crowder and save <laughs> myself like 40 minutes. Uh, no, I have to talk about the Jets. Uh, Flacco had a, a good week last week, and uh, woohoo, that's great. But the, the matchup is really good. Uh, they go look through all the Chargers box scores. They j- basically just get pummeled by downfield receivers. So uh, uh, Chris Conley had a 28-yard touchdown reception. Tyreek Hill had a 54-yard touchdown reception. Nelson Aguilar had a 45-yard touchdown reception. Uh, Deshaun Hamilton had a 40-yard touchdown re- reception. Some of these guys never been heard from since. Point is, Rashad Perryman looks awesome. He's uh, he's fully healthy, and he has the eye of Joe Flacco, and he's playing the Chargers. He's a downfield receiver. Uh, I put 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 him uh, put him in your lineup. Forty yards and a touchdown. Yeah, I I could not agree more with you, Nick. Uh, Rashad Perryman was toasting J.C. Jackson uh, again on Thursday night when the Jets played the Patriots, and he looks uh, ready to go. Moving on, Miami Dolphins head to Denver to take on the Broncos. Clark, what you vibing for this game? Uh, Devontae Parker is a pretty decent play with Tua look like he's uh, look, looking like he's at least okay. Uh, I have almost no interest in this game. Jerry Judy's getting a ton of targets lately, so if you've been riding him, go for it again. But the Dolphins' secondary is tough, so. Ugh. This is a stay away game for me. 
Uh, I'm I'm into Salvin Ahmed. Uh, he's he's got the backfield uh, by the snaps, and yeah, I mean D- Denver's front is is nothing to write home about. They've they've got some injury. They're also just talent deficient. Generally, he's a running back too, uh, and and who doesn't need one of those? I like the the Parker pick. I would also say Jakeem Grant has been involved enough. Uh, both as a downfield receiver and last week, I think he caught a red zone touchdown. So that's cool that he's, that he's getting looks there. And then uh, as far as the, the, the other side of the ball goes, um, Gordon looks terrible. He's not getting pass catching looks and uh, Lindsay is stuck behind him. Super unfortunate uh, Judy. Yeah. He's the guy and Hamler go look at Hamler's uh, yeah. target totals. He's killing it. And kind of at the, uh, expense of uh of Noah Fant which is really unfortunate um you know especially if you have like Dallas Goddard Noah Fant and you thought oh this is a good tight end duo you thought you were loaded and ready to go yeah yeah I like your I like your call Clark I have Jerry Judy and I am trying to uh trying to figure out a way to get out from under him because Miami secondary is legit and Brian Flores has his defense playing extremely well and after what we saw from Drew Locke last week in which uh who did the who did the Broncos play Chargers? Friggin' Raiders. Friggin' Raiders. In which the Raiders picked him off four times and like had him completely just spinning around in circles. I could see uh, Brian Flores operating a similar kind of basically just getting after Drew Locke and forcing him into turnovers yet again, which would certainly diminish Jerry Judy's uh, Jerry Judy's fantasy production this week. And going up against Byron, Mur- Byron Murray. No, Byron Jones. Jones. Got there eventually. All right, let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys heading to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And uh, I already said this on Twitter, but I'll say it again. Adam Thielen, I apologize for ranking you as my wide receiver 20 last week. I will never do that again. You had a little lull. You are back. You're back just in time to take advantage of this Cowboys secondary, which we know is trash. Obviously, I am firing up both Adam Thielen and uh, Justin Jefferson with confidence this week. Nick, on the flip side Andy Dalton possibly being under center this week against a Viking secondary that has been picked apart a lot this year do we start getting our confidence back in these uh, Cowboys wide receivers yeah I think so uh the Minnesota secondary is is so so terrible I'm bringing up their their stats right now um but basically yeah against receivers they're allowing the fourth most 0.5 ppr points per game uh i think that this might just kind of get done in the uh after the catch manner i don't think that i would probably uh be starting Gallup or like Dalton schultz but amari cooper cd lamb cd lamb is going to be the safety blanket and cooper is just so pardon me yeah. fucking good that that dalton's going to be able to see him um god damn though the backfield i mean it's it's real bad out there. And, and, you know, this is what happens when an offensive line falls apart, but yeah, I ranking Zeke was really difficult because, because again, the, the Vikings defense is so bad, right? They're terrible. So it's like, can he just get it done on like 18 carries? I think he might be able to score. So I kept him in, I think as, as like a top 15 option, but um, yeah, this is a sell, sell your Cowboys now, if you are able to, uh, entice the owner with, oh yeah, no, they got Minnesota. <laughs> Give them something to hold on to. Yeah, Zeke going up. The Vikings have been terrible against the pass. They've allowed the tenth fewest uh, fantasy points to running back so far this year. So Zeke already kind of struggling to like 
see the usual production that we expect out of him in this since since Dak went down. In the in the words of Clark Barnes, I don't know how you get out from under Zeke, but maybe you try to get out from under Zeke this week. All right, we have three games left. Green Bay Packers heading to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. Clark, what are you vibing for this game? So it looks like I'm going to go out on a limb here, uh, and I'm not being facetious. Naheem Hines seems to be the back to own, and so I'm sure he'll get targeted three times for 13 yards, (laughs) and Jordan Wilkins is about to run all over Green Bay. Uh, But that is about the only interesting thing to me in Indianapolis is which running back is going to do it. Uh, Phillip Rivers, it's just not good. I know that's not breaking news, but he is just not very good. And so I don't see how Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers don't just trounce them, even though the Colts defense has been pretty good. Uh, Maybe a Jamal Williams game, uh, definitely a Marquez Valdez-Scantling game on top of all of the stars you're going to start from the Packers anyway so probably not their biggest week but the only thing I'm interested in in Indy is the running backs and I'm thoroughly confused all right yeah rocking into hyperdrive here to wrap these games up Uh, I like the Heinz call the pack is allowing the seventh both most receptions to opposing backfields per game coming in at six Uh, on top of that it's uh, they're allowing 50 what is it 50 yeah 53.4 receiving yards so that that fits the bill of Heinz i crazy have him as a top 15 option this week and I should probably friggin' drop him but um anyway yeah Hines is the guy to own there uh as 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 far as the other Colts uh Michael Pittman Jr he's getting the ball schemed into his hands and and Pete if you want to take I'm, I'm gonna hop over to the pack, Packers really quickly but if you want to talk about Michael Pittman uh, I, I can leave that to you but what I see is that they are manufacturing touches, and I like that for him. Um, on the Packers side of things, Devontae Adams today said he he has an ankle injury, and he, he is not a guarantee to play. And that could just be him uh, having some fun with the media. It could be a whole lot, but now we have to monitor that. I am not going to go back to uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. The uh, Colts do play pretty decent uh, pass defense. I don't think they're one of the best in the league, but they are, like, they're good, and it takes – lopsided matches for MBS to get going, making matters worse for him. Alan Lazard is, is coming back this week. So um, I think Lazard immediately takes all of MBS's number two looks and uh, could be a, a really good start. If, if Adams is actually uh, ailing. Yeah. And the Michael Pittman jr. I, he has become the number one guy I would say in the passing game for the Colts. And last week, obviously he had a really nice game and I told you to go get him off waivers and you definitely should do that. I still would not be, even if Jair Alexander doesn't suit up again this week, I still would be tentative on him against the Packers. The Packers have been one of the best secondaries against wide receivers uh, in fantasy. And even through the last couple of weeks, the last three weeks, they've been allowed the seventh fewest points. And that's even with Jair Alexander missing a couple games. So I would still be tentative. I like what Clark was saying, where it's like Philip Rivers is just, I think that this is going to be one of those like vintage, and I say vintage as a bad thing, (laughs) Philip Rivers games, where he's going to try to do too much and probably throw like three really bad interceptions. um, And uh, and the Packers are going to run away with this game, which means Naeem Hines is going to just see a billion targets. So I'm really excited because for the first time in the last four weeks, Naeem Hines is going to actually be starting for me as opposed to sitting on my bench and uh, me getting to delightfully watch him score two touchdowns while sitting on my bench. But don't worry about Michael Pittman if he has a bad game this week. That's probably going to be expected, but you should still uh, still be 
confident and happy ha- rostering him moving on. All right. Um, Sunday night football, Kansas City Chiefs heading to Las Vegas to take on the Raiders. I will off the bat will say that the Raiders don't have a defense currently. Uh, their entire defense is on the COVID uh, list because they all had close contact with people. Uh, COVID is raging throughout this country, and clearly uh, it has hit Las Vegas very hard, and specifically this Raiders defense. I have no idea if this game is going to happen, what the plan is with this game. Uh, probably, given it's the NFL, this game will happen as scripted, which means you fire up every single player in the Chiefs' offense because this Raiders' defense is going to be absolute trash if all of their starters are sitting. Sammy Watkins is coming back. I know Clark is excited about his boy taking the field yet again. Uh, And so he is someone who I think you could definitely be a a sneaky play this week as he's coming back, still probably going to have that wide receiver two role behind Tyreek Hill. We definitely want to pay attention to the uh, the COVID uh, situation there. Something I heard on the uh, the ETR pod earlier this week was that I guess after the Raiders upset of the Chiefs in Arrowhead last uh, or in, in in Week Five, the Raiders decided to have their team bus drive around the stadium. I think honking, and apparently Andy Reid took that very personally <laughs> and so this is they're gonna like score 50 points in the first yeah half. i kind of think it's gonna be a shellacking yeah i want any piece i can get of this game uh down to secondary take a shot chiefs wide receivers i think nelson aguilar rugs all those guys jacobs good games for them should be high scoring definitely keep an eye on who's gonna be allowed to play yeah uh, Josh Jacobs will probably get you a lot of yards, but he won't score a touchdown because the Raiders won't win this game. And Josh Jacobs, what does he do, Nick? He doesn't score touchdowns when they <laughs> lose. <laughs> oh, that call and response works every time. All right, last game for week 11, Los Angeles Rams head to Tampa Bay to take on the Buccaneers. Uh, I, I think my question to you, Nick, we'll start with you. Uh, Jalen Ramsey has been absolutely locking down people this year and has taken whatever player he's facing and removed them from, from the, uh, Clark's doing the holding signal, uh, from fantasy contention. The question is with Tampa is who is that receiver going to be? A lot of people are thinking that given the beef that he and Antonio Brown have from back when he was on the jet, when Ramsey was on the Jaguars and AB was on the Steelers, that it could be Brown. Uh, what are you feeling? And are you like, is there a receiver who you are going to ignore assuming that Jalen's erasing someone in Tampa this week? Well, I don't think we'll know until game time. Right. So it, it's kind of a coin toss. Yeah. I think that the, uh, the narrative is, is certainly there. And if McVay is any kind of a player's coach, then he's gonna let Ramsey have his way and go hold uh, Antonio Brown into oblivion. But uh, I was really encouraged by uh Mike Evans kind of getting off the schneid last week that was cool so hopefully um hopefully that holds it'd be awesome to just root for Mike Evans every week and Antonio Brown to get uh shadow covered yeah the only thing holding back the Buccaneers uh right now is the Buccaneers it seems like they're still feeling each other out which is understandable with adding a piece like Antonio Brown midway through the year Gronk apparently knocking the rest off the Buccaneers offense should be very good moving forward uh, Jalen Ramsey is very good. I joked uh, visually while we were talking about 
Ramsey that he likes to hold people, but that's what good cornerbacks do. They just hold someone every play, and then 90% of the time they don't get called for it. Pete, you know about that as a Patriots fan. You just Stephon do it and get away with move. It. enough. Yeah, you just got to get him off the field on third down every once in a while. Yep. Uh, Jalen Ramsey doesn't frighten me for any wide receiver for the Buccaneers, even though he may cancel one of them out. Uh, one of the great things that the Buccaneers have done is they have four people that you can't cover. So good luck. Uh, yep. But they do decide to run the wrong way occasionally. And that's the only thing that slowed them down. Just frustratingly what to do with this backfield. I know Ronald Jones had a big game last week, but don't let the box score fool you. He had a 99 yard run and looked rather unimpressive to my eyes outside of that. You can't take away the hundred yard run, but it's not like he ran over them all day. He had a big play. They gave them all over and over and over again. So still trying to figure out, uh, between Jones and Fournette, it looks like Jones is going to be the running back until he loses it. And Fournette, oddly enough, has become a third down back. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah, I just – you want in on this game too. Both of these offenses are playing well and just fire them up. Yeah, I, I would I would take your, uh, your thought, Clark, and extend it even further. I would ignore both these running backs. There's just – both defenses have been really good against the run uh, this season. The Colts – or excuse me, the Buccaneers have allowed the fourth fewest points to running backs and the Rams have allowed the sixth fewest points to running backs so far this year. Uh, And these, both of these backfields are just such so confusing as to whom is actually going to get the touches. And so if you can, I would just, unless you have a strong intuition about who is going to be the guy, I would, uh, I wouldn't risk it for the biscuit. The fantasy community, 100% 100% when Malcolm Brown scored a touchdown last week, just threw their coffee or whatever beverage you were having. <laughs> when Malcolm Brown rumbled, bumbled, and stumbled into the end zone, just why? Why are you doing this to us? <laughs> uh, the the hold, the defensive uh, pass interference and the, the holding talk just had me reliving the old Legion of Boom days, which they, the Seattle Seahawks uh, secondary was very talented. They also body slammed receivers. Would also tackle every people. play. <laughs> <laughs> tackle you before the ball even got anywhere near them. Brandon Browner would just lift receivers <laughs> off the ground before the ball was even like on the way and just throw them on the ground. And and then and they'd be and, like, wait, what? Fans, a flag? It was so funny because Seattle, we, we, they're changing the rules so that we, to make it harder for us, like, yeah, Brandon Browner trains jujitsu and he's just getting into top mount on these guys like before the pass is thrown this is crazy oh they're not gonna call it every time though good strategy not gonna call it every time that's it's the chris paul method in basketball too where if you just hold and just like are a dick the entire game the ref isn't gonna call it every single time but only call it a few times oh all right well there you go what an eventful Starts and sets. I need to hydrate so that I can make some really important roster decisions uh, in the middle of the night tonight. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That is how you'll not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball show. Uh, Make sure to follow us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. If you have any specific start and sit questions for week 11, hit us up with them. We'd be more than happy to help. We'd love to uh, interact with you guys and, and give our advice specifically to what you uh, need. You can also follow myself on Twitter at Pete M. Rogers, follow Clark at NFL Clark and Nick at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then. Peace.